This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today is originally from Austin, Texas, a very cool town, by the way, especially when the Austin Film Festival is in town. God, that is a great uh, film festival, I have to say, for screenwriters particularly. However, having said that, I'm with the author for this week, who uh, lives in Washington State now, which is also a really cool place, I have to say. Um, she is the author of the Sydney Lockhart Mysteries, as well as the Kate Carraway Animal Rights Mysteries, and other books, which include three trivia books. I believe it's Sherlock Holmes, Hitchcock, and Agatha Christie trivia. Wow, that's interesting. My guest today is Kathleen Casca. Hi, Kathy. How are you doing today? Are, do you go by Kathy or Kath- Kathleen? Kathleen. Kathleen, definitely Kathleen there. Okay. (laughs) I should have asked you ahead of time. I forgot. (laughs) Um, Tell us about Sidney Lockhart. I read uh, Murder at the Driscoll Hotel and just loved it. So tell me what inspired you to write that series. Well, Sidney Lockhart, uh, my series is set in the early 1950s. And Sidney Lockhart is a young woman trying to make it as a private detective in a man's world. And so you can imagine how hard it was in the 1950s to uh, take on a career that was just unheard of for women. Um, so that's, that's what the, the series is about. And each book takes place in a different historic hotel. And these are real hotels and they're still in operation today. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I decided to structure this series. Very interesting. So you picked hotels every time. Yes. Fascinating. Here I thought maybe you picked um, Driscoll because of the film festival. Uh, do you have a fondness for the Driscoll in any pr- well, particular yes. way? Well, um, yes. The Driscoll is in downtown Austin. It's not too far from the capital. It's right in the center of the city. And uh, when I lived in Austin, we lived right across 
the street from the Capitol. So uh, we would often just wander down to the Driscoll Bar and have a drink and have dinner. It was a great meeting place to meet friends. Um, so I spent a lot of time there uh, just hanging out. Uh, it's like the center of Austin. And, you know, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful hotel. It is. It's gorgeous. And and so much there's so much history in there too. I mean, Stephen Austin and the whole the whole vibe there, the whole historic vibe in Austin is interesting. Very, very interesting. Um I like Sydney's relationship with her partner. I remember that from the book. They seem to have a kind of almost a moonlighting kind of vibe to them. There's humor, but there's also mystery. Um, can you talk about that whole partnership? How that developed? Yes. Um, uh, I'm when I write my mysteries, I don't uh, outline or plot. I don't develop the characters beforehand. They just sort of appear to me, just like Sydney appeared to me. Once when I was staying, my husband and I was staying at the Arlington Hotel in Hot Springs, Arkansas, one of our most favorite places. We have probably spent a total of four months at that hotel. But one of on one of our visits, our room wasn't ready. We always stayed in the same room. And I was wondering, like, what could possibly be wrong that we had to wait four hours for our room to, to get ready? And then I and then my imagination kicked in. I thought, okay, what if there was a crime committed in that room? You know, so when we finally checked in, you know, I'm I'm unpacking and then I'm imagining things, and this young, tall, redheaded woman comes out of the bathroom and she says, It wasn't me who did that, but you need to look in there and see what's going on. So I went in there and there's a dead body in the bathtub. Oh my. And and that's how it started, Sydney and my imagination. So in that very first book, uh, and in every book after that, uh, Sydney finds a, a body in a hotel, and she's usually the main suspect. And uh, in Murder at the Arlington, uh, an, a Hot Springs police detective comes to investigate, and his name is Ralph Dixon, and he suspects her. But there's there's um, an instant uh, spark between the two of them. And I was only going to have him there for the first book. But by the time the book ended, I realized that, no, he's going to be he's he's going to be a regular character. So the first three Sydney books, he kind of shows up unexpected and assist Sydney in getting herself out of trouble. By the end of the third book, which was Murder at the Galvez, he, you know, he says, you know, you're really good at this, Sydney. I think, I think this is your calling. And so at that point, they decide to go into business together. And at in Murder at the Driscoll, they have just opened their detective agency in Austin. Wow. Yes, I remember that now. Wow. It's been a while, but boy, that's very interesting the way you worked up to that through the books. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, 
I'm also interested in your animal rescue series. What inspired you to uh, create that character, Kate Carraway? Well, I have always been into animal rights. And uh, when I lived in Austin, I was a member of Wildlife Rescue. It was a volunteer organization, and we took in injured and orphaned wildlife with the purpose of hopefully releasing them back into the wild. And I was thinking, I was writing nonfiction at the time, so I, I wanted to develop a mystery series. And I thought this would be a good a good um, character for me. This would be a good uh, premise to have my detective as uh, an animal rights investigator. And so that's how it started. Um, so every issue in the book deals is a different animal rights issue. The, the first book, Run Dog Run, dealt with greyhound racing. And the second book, um, uh, A Two-Horse Town, took place in Montana, and it deals with saving a herd of wild mustangs. And then the current one takes place in an island here in the Pacific Northwest called Lopez Island. And on Lopez Island is an animal rights facility, and the murder takes place there. So I, I wanted to write um, a mystery with a social cause. So that's that's why I developed this one. Totally logical and totally great. I mean, <laughs> that you use those things from your life as inspiration. It's fantastic. Um, let's see. Location seems to figure largely in your mysteries as well, clearly. Um, I assume that... Uh, much of Washington you got to know through uh, through writing these books? Yes, yes. And uh, Austin you knew by living there. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, the Sydney Lockhart series with the, with the historic hotels, the hotels themselves have a history. They have a past. They have a story to tell. And so when I do my research, I try to figure out what was going on at the hotel, in the town, during the time in which I'm writing. And if I can find a good piece of information, I'll weave it into the story. So the hotels are almost like a character themselves because they add so much to the book. And um, so, yeah, that's... The setting is just almost as important as the characters in the plot. And with um, the Kate Carraway series, I like to travel. And so I come across places that just really intrigue me. And um, in a two horse town, which takes place in southwestern Montana on the Crow uh, Native American reservation, uh, I was really taken by that part of the country. And then one, and I thought, oh, I'd like to set a book here. And once I started writing it and researching it, I found out that that area of the country has the largest population of wild mustangs in the country. Wow. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's an interesting so, factoid. Yeah. yeah, I know. And then Lopez Island, which is near me, is just an absolute beautiful place. And I've spent a lot of time there. A lot of my favorite hiking places are on Lopez Island. 
So that's where I set my third book. So location is important to me. I have to, I want my readers to feel like they're there. And if they've never been to these hotels or if they've never been to these other locations, I want them to go and, and experience what it's like. Um, in Murder at the Arlington, <laughs> I was there for a book signing and uh, one of the locals came and bought my book. I was there, we were there at the hotel for like a month. I had several events going on and I would see him in the lobby every night reading my book. <laughs> and so I went and, I, you know, I talked to him and he goes, yeah, he says, I love this book. He says, I'm going to read the entire book here at the hotel. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I guess I did something right. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, you must do quite a bit of research on to, to, to get these details right, because um, the, the Driscoll, I really felt like I was there when I was reading the book. Oh, <laughs> it was a good feeling, too, because <laughs> it's such a nice, good, good. A nice yeah, uh, I do, setting. I do a lot of research, um, and I stay in places that I, I've stayed in before, places that I like to revisit, um, and many of these places feel like a second or a third home. You know, we my husband and I travel a lot, so we find a little community, we find a little ho historic hotel, and we'll go back many times. And when I'm there, I just explore the whole area, the whole place. Um, so in in Murder at the Arlington, in the second book, Murder at the Minger, and then Murder at the Galvez, I just know every nook and cranny of all those hotels. So I can mm. put a lot of real detail into the story. That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, what are your plans for each of the series? Do you work on both at the same time or do you switch back and forth? How does uh, that work? I'm, I usually work on several at the same time. Uh, I have a list of hotels for the Sydney Lockhart series. I have three, the next three in mind. I'm working on number seven. I have the first two scenes in numbers eight and nine. So, you know, that's, you know, I've got those ready to go, or at least ready to continue working on. In the Kate Carraway series, um, I'm the, the background uh, in this series starts off with Kate having had a traumatic experience at her research camp in Africa and had to leave the, the country and come back home. And so in the, in the first three books, she's here with a, with a desire to always go back and uh, finish what she started there. So I'm thinking book number four, it might be time for her to go back. And her research facility is in Kenya. So possibly book number four will be there. Wow. That's very interesting. Uh, how would you describe your writing style? Is it cozy? Is it soft-boiled, humorous? You use humor so well. Well, the Sydney Lockhart is a cozy mystery. It is lighthearted and humorous. 
it's been compared to Janet Ivanovich's Stephanie Plum series, except that my series is set in the 1950s. Um, so yeah, it's uh, humorous, cozy. The Kate Carraway series could also be considered cozy, but it has a heavy dose of suspense. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's it's a lot a lot more serious. Uh, there are humorous uh, instances in the book, but I wouldn't call it a lighthearted humorous mystery like I do Sydney's. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you do a lot of research for those? Did you do a lot of research for those trivia books? My gosh, I'm trying to imagine oh, yes. all the work that must have gone into collecting the trivia. Yes, yes. Uh, fortunately, I had entire Agatha Christie's entire collection uh, on my bookshelf. So I just, you know, read one after the other and I took trivia notes while I was reading. Same with Sherlock Holmes. Um, but with Alfred Hitchcock, oh my gosh, I spent one whole summer. I, I was a, a teacher, a, a public school teacher, so I had the summer off. I spent one whole summer watching every Hitchcock movie from the very first one to the very last one. And that was a real education. Mm -hmm. it, it really was just to see how he developed as an artist over almost 60 years in the film industry. So that, that writing those three books, those are my first three books. And that was a real education for me. Yeah. Kind of preparing Hitchcock. me for what I was gonna do in the, in the future. Boy, Hitchcock was amazing, wasn't he? He was, he was. What other authors have most inspired your work? It, I love I love mystery series. So I think I've read everything that Dick Francis has written, Elizabeth Peters, Marcia Grimes, um, um, Janet Ivanovich, Nevada Barr was an inspiration for me writing the Kate Carraway series because the stories are outdoor. Um, they're set in different places in the country. And uh, so she was an inspiration for that series. Yes, I, I could see that that would be an inspiration. If someone made a Sydney Lockhart movie or one about Kate Carraway, who would you picture playing either of those roles? Oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that for Sydney Lockhart, if you could turn back the time a little bit, I would say that uh, Drew Barrymore in her younger days would have been a perfect Sydney. And uh, for Kate, I'm, I'm not really sure who I would, pick for her um I'm not real up on current Hollywood actors so I don't think I could really put one name one but I would say if again if I turn back the clock I would say Meg Ryan would be a good Kate Carraway mm, good choice both times so as a birder, do you keep records of the birds that you observe? I do. Um, when I'm when I'm on a trip, 
I will keep records. I don't keep records uh, as to what comes on comes to my bird feeder because I feel like I, you know, I, I kind of know those birds are like my friends. But if I'm out uh, birding, I will take my notebook with me and I'll keep records. Excellent. Uh, what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing for a living? Be prepared to work hard. Don't expect miracles to happen right away. And the best piece of advice I got when I first started writing was just finish the book. Just finish it. I'm also a writing coach. So that's what I tell my uh, students who I work with. You know, they always have a lot of questions. Well, what am I going to do when I'm finished? And how should I approach a publisher? And uh, what should I do for the next book? And my advice is don't worry about that. You know, finish your book first, mm -hmm. then see what happens. And um, a lot of people who want to write will start, but uh, not stick with it. And it's not so important to have that first draft perfect because it's not going to be perfect. But if you don't have anything written, you don't have anything to polish. So exactly. get it written first and then start polishing it. Amen to all of that. <laughs> so true. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else you would like to add before we finish up? Well, I would like to mention one more book that I've written. Um, this is the... Uh, man who Robert Porter Allen's story, The Man Who Saved the Whipping Crane. Um, this book was a labor of love. It um, is about the endangered whipping cranes and what was done to keep them from extinction. Uh, in 1942, there were only 15 whipping cranes left in the wild. And because of this ornithologist, Robert Porter Allen, and his work with Audubon, um, there are now over 600, which is still not very many, but if they hadn't put in the time and effort to save the spe species, it, they wouldn't be here today. So that mm -hmm. was a labor of love for me. Um, and... Um, my royalties for that book go to the uh, Whipping Crane Conservation Association. So, yeah, I, I had to put a plug in for that one. <laughs> That's excellent. I'm glad you did. I love your uh, bird chart there in the back behind oh, yeah. you. That's great. Well, I just want to, um, oh, yeah, it's, I've already asked that. So <laughs> I just want to thank you for uh, spending time with us and talking to us about your books and the, the causes that you uh, are supporting, which are so important. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure, believe me. Um, to everyone who's listening or watching, my thanks for your support. Also, it's um, hard for me to believe that I've been doing this for nine years. <laughs> and I'm thinking of something to celebrate the uh, upcoming 10th season. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I have to give that some thought. 
In any case, um, do consider checking us out on Patreon. I have bonus episodes there, ad-free episodes, and other perks. And uh, it's not exactly a huge cash cow. Uh, I'm on Substack also. But that's not what counts. What counts is that it's there. And it's there for you to enjoy if you want to check it out. So please do. Um, in any case, our next guest will be David Swinson. And uh, he's a DC writer, so we get to hear about DC crime next time. Awesome. In the meantime, take care and happy reading.